1: and welcome to a very special episode of Case Closed. I'm Christy Westgard, your co-host, and I'm so excited today to bring you a conversation that we had earlier with Linda Castillo. Now, if you don't know, Linda Castillo is a New York Times bestselling author in the mind behind the wildly popular Kate Burkholder series, which are mystery crime thrillers set in Amish country. So she's just the person to walk us through how the Amish deal with crime and punishment. Take a listen.
2: Hi, I'm Linda Castillo, and I write the Kate Burkholder Amish Mystery Series. Uh, the next book in this series is titled Outsider, and it will be released on July 7th.
1: And Kate, can you start by just telling us a little bit more about how you got involved with writing about the Amish community?
2: Well, you know, I uh, actually started my career, interestingly, in the romance genre, and uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to write a breakout book. And I was able to come up with a a high-concept plot. But I knew in order for this book to do well, I really needed something, uh, something to set it apart from the rest of the pack. And I took a trip to Amish country, and that's when I uh, got the idea for
1: Sworn to Silence. Mm. And can you tell us a little bit more about the experience of writing this sort of series? Um, I think uh, one of the challenges
2: of writing a series is that A writer really has to keep it fresh. And I think I accomplished that with Outsider. It's one of my favorite books in the series. And it's hard to believe that it's the 12th book. Um, But, you know, and Kate has, you know, of course she has her Amish past, but she also has her other past after she left the Amish. And um, sort of what happens with Outsider is that these two worlds sort of collide. Um, somebody comes in contact with Kate, who, who is from her other past. And of course, it happens in uh, Painter's Mill, which is Amish country. And it's uh, really uh, an, an interesting book that I loved writing.
1: Now, I want to pivot to Barbara Weaver's case. Uh, were you familiar with Barbara's case?
2: You know, I am. Uh, I actually, you know, I follow a lot of news out of, uh, of Amish country, whether it's in Ohio or uh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I go to, uh, you know, that crime happened in Apple Creek and I go to that part of Ohio every summer when I'm on book tour. And uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people right after that happened. And and of course I read Greg Olson's book, uh, uh, A Killing in Amish Country, and uh, just absolutely a sad
1: but fascinating case too. Now, I want to go into how the Amish handle crime and punishment. Can you describe what you've kind of seen from your research with the Kate Burkholder series? You know, the thing about the Amish
2: is it's it's very much a, a pacifist society. Um, they're, you know, they, they do not like litigation, any, any kind of litigation, uh, lawyers, lawsuits. Um, you know, they're law-abiding citizens, generally speaking. But one thing that I am always aware of when I'm writing the books is that they're also human and they are, uh, you know, they have the same weaknesses and frailties and imperfection as the as the rest of us.
1: Now, that brings me to a pretty interesting discussion to have, which is that Eli Weaver's lawyer, Andrew Hyde, had mentioned that there are many crimes that still go unreported amongst the Amish. So how do the Amish handle instances of crime within their community?
2: I think that's that's absolutely true. They do try to deal with things on their own first um, before uh, taking it to uh, you know law enforcement or some other agency. Um, this morning, I was in fact just reading about uh, a story about Edward Gingrich, who was actually the first Amish man uh, who was uh, found guilty of murder. Uh, this that act, that crime actually happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, But, uh, you know, he was suffering with mental illness. He was eventually uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia. And, uh, you know, the Amish, even though uh, this uh, Edward Gingrich was uh, abusing his wife, they tried all sorts of folk remedies uh, before ever going uh, to try to get any kind of mental health help or to law enforcement. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, in the, in the end, he ended up murdering his wife in a very horrific way. And, uh, you know, he did time. And a few years later, after he was released from prison, he committed suicide.
1: Wow, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. And that makes me wonder, what's the relationship that the Amish have with English law enforcement and our legal system?
2: Uh, I think that they probably uh try to keep that kind of relationship to a minimum. Um, you know, they are they are sort of, a, you know, they, they want to remain separate from the rest of the world, um, because it's an unbelieving world. And, you know, of course, that's an impossible thing to do in this day and age. You know, the Amish are, you know, many of the Amish embrace, uh, the English ways. And there are times when they must call upon law enforcement, uh, you know, if, if something happens. And of course, there are times when they uh, break themselves and they have to deal with law enforcement. So I think it's a little bit of a reluctant relationship.
0: Mm. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So I want to move away from this discussion to talk more about Amish gender roles and more specifically marriage Um, Can you tell us about the expectation that's placed on Amish women as wives and what their options are when they're trapped in a bad marriage?
2: You know, that is such a great question. And I think that, you know, the Amish are a very uh, patriarchal society. Um, Usually the, you know, in in a community, the husband has the final say. And that's not to say that the that the wife doesn't have a voice. She definitely does. And, and when it comes to church matters and whatnot, uh, they do have a vote. But uh, women generally uh, submit to their husbands. And I think if there is a problem, if the husband is doing, you know, if he was abusing the wife in some way, especially physical abuse, uh the only resources that, that an Amish woman really has is the bishop or the deacon or the preacher, and those are basically the elders of the church.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about this treatment of victims in Amish country, because it sounds a lot like the victims are meant to bear the burden of what has happened to them. Um, I think
2: that's sort of correct. Uh, what I have seen uh, or read about uh, in the Amish community You know, even when we're talking about something as terrible as, you know, sexual abuse or something like that, if the perpetrator, which is usually the male, if he, uh, you know, he perpetrates this this act against a female, and then he goes before the church and uh, confesses to the congregation, he is forgiven of that. And that's sort of, you know, it doesn't really... uh, Do anything as far as, uh, you know, justice for the victim.
1: Now, one form of punishment that is a little bit more well known that the Amish do is shunnings. So, can you talk a little bit more about what purpose shunning serves in this community?
2: Well, when uh, an Amish person, you know, there, there are some misconceptions there. And I, I have to tell you that I have learned so much about the Amish uh, since, you know, since writing uh, Sworn to Silence. I seems like I learned something new with every book. And a lot of people believe that shunning and excommunication is a punishment for doing something wrong. In reality, uh, most um, Amish uh, bishops or deacons, uh, will shun somebody as a redemptive thing. They want that person to come back to the Amish. And, uh, of course, shunning means that you won't speak with them. You won't take meals with them. If they have a business, you won't do business with them, things like that. And yes, I mean, and it is severe. I mean, it can really affect people's lives. And as far as, um, the, uh, After somebody has left permanently, um, I think that any relationships with that person is probably going to be a reluctant relationship. I think sometimes if it's a family member, it can't be you know, sometimes it can't be helped. And this, you know, then again, this is uh, one of those cases where, you know, the Amish do have all of these rules, but they're also human. And when it comes to family members, there's love involved and whatnot. And so it also really depends on the individual. Are they willing to break the rules a little bit in order to talk with their sister? And in, in Kate's case, she has managed to break through some of that. Uh, but she is, you know, absolutely looked down upon by many, many members of the Amish community.
1: It's interesting that you say that about her being looked down upon by the community, because there's also this stereotype or, and you know, it is true that the Amish are notorious for their capacity for forgiveness. Um, and meanwhile, your character, Kate, is um, a person who decided to leave the Amish and to fight crime. So can forgiveness and accountability coexist? I,
2: I think they can, you know, and that is one of the reasons why I love, I love writing Kate's character. And, you know, she was not, um, uh, she was not good at being Amish when, even when she was a girl, she was, you know, sometimes on the outs with uh, the bishop, or her parents, or the Amish community as a whole. And there were certain tenets that she just did not believe in. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at Kate Burkholder as a character, um, you know, perhaps in some ways she believes in forgiveness, but I think in some ways she does not. And the same thing, Kate is not a pacifist, and most Amish are pacifists. They are nonviolent. And those are two tenets that Kate could never come to terms with. And I think aside from what happened to her when she was a when she was a girl those are the main two reasons why she left the amish
1: so i have one last question which is what lessons can we learn from the amish about how to and how not to handle brutality
2: um, you know, brutality in terms of, of crimes, for example, I think, um, you know, in a, in a very human way, you know, forgiveness is a good thing. You know, if you don't forgive, you know, you carry that burden of, of being unable to forgive. But one of the things that they do wrong is that if they prefer to deal with crimes on their own and they don't involve law enforcement, especially when the crime is something very serious, Uh, Law enforcement needs to know about it, and the perpetrator of the crime needs to be dealt with.
1: And that's it for our wonderful discussion with Linda Castillo. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about her Kate Burkholder series, you can start at the very beginning with Sworn to Silence, or you can check out the newest installment, Outsiders, which will be available July 7th. Case Closed is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. It's hosted by Charlie Spicer and myself, Christy Westgard. I'm also the producer. A special thanks to Linda Castillo. Production editorial support is provided by Jasmine Faustino. And be sure to check out Greg Olson and Rebecca Morris's book, A Killing in Amish Country, for more about Barbara Weaver's case. You can find information about Macmillan Podcasts at That's macmillanpodcasts.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.